All right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Grease the Wheels, your weekly technician podcast featuring the ramblings and stupid things that your Uncle Jimmy is going to say. Coming to you from the hallowed halls of the Rock and Roll Garage. Hey, uh, this one goes out to all your wrench twisting bastards out there in Grease the Wheels Nation, all the people out there who do things to make other things work so other people can be happy or at least happier than they were before. Uh, you keep the planet moving, you keep it cool, you keep it hot or warm, you keep it lit. I want to say a hearty thank you. Uh, and I'm bringing you a podcast on a little bit somber note today. I just found out recently that a friend of mine that I was working with, uh, actually very recently, uh, passed away in a rather unusual type of a manner. He tripped, apparently. Then This is the story I got. It's a very, very uh, offhanded uh, story as to what happened. Uh, apparently, he became somewhat incapacitated through the use of chemical substances fell down at some point and hit his head on a piece of furniture, and he is now deceased. And he was a young man at uh, the tender age of 30 years old. So that should serve as a uh, kind of a notice to some of you guys out there. Listen, uh, life is short. You're guaranteed nothing. So uh, live it the way you want to live it. Don't let people push you around too much. Do what you want to do. Do what you love. Have passion for what you do. That's been a, a recurring theme here at the uh, at the Rock and Roll Garage, having passion for what you do. So I want to just put this particular podcast out in memory of Alex King. And, you know, I only worked with Alex for a little, a little, a short period of time. I want to say a little period of time. It doesn't sound right. A short period of time, maybe eight, nine months. And uh, he was, uh, he was quite a character, I think, aggravating to the people who were supposed to manage his, uh, his doings and his possible whereabouts. And I feel like, uh, and I got I got a chuckle, and, and it's not funny. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. You'll have to decide for yourself. But uh, it seemed to me, after working with him for just a short period of time, that he kind of knew he wasn't going to be around long. Although it wasn't really obvious at the time, because uh, because he he used to show up really late to work, and I'm not talking fifteen or twenty minutes late or half an hour late. He would show up three, four, and five hours late to work on a regular basis and this is eventually he didn't really care all that much to be honest with you he had a lot of things that he he did a lot of things he could do he could make money in a lot of different ways and he did so and he was uh very employable because he was an auto mechanic so uh i think there was a whole lot of i don't give a fuck about mr king and uh, i'm gonna miss that boy i'm kind of a a little bit uh, sad that he's not out there anymore, but uh, I think he knew that his time was going to be short because he didn't spend a whole lot of time worrying about what other people wanted him to do. I mean, literally, he was supposed to be to work at seven thirty, eight o'clock, and he would show up at noon. And uh, this was uh, this was something apparently he did at a lot of his other jobs too, which is why he had quite the resume of former jobs. So here's to you, Alex. Uh, I hope that God's looking after you wherever you are. Yeah, I hope you didn't show up late there. I don't know as if they enjoy that too much. Uh, a, now that he has passed on, he will forever be late. Today's podcast, let me get to it here. I don't want to spend a lot of time bringing you down. Way too good at that. What I did want to do, though, when you know, by bringing you that story, I just want to remind you that it's your life and it literally can end at any minute. So you got to get busy living it and doing the things you want to do. Uh, don't put off a lot of stuff. Uh, that uh, you feel like you're going to want to do or that you should do. Uh, always make sure that, that you uh, have other people in your life and that you tell them, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm still here. Thanks for making me glad I'm still here, okay? Uh, anyway, enough about that. Let me move on here. 
what I wanted to do was, uh, and I had a lot of different stupid ideas rolling around in my head. And because oh, I got to tell you, honestly, sometimes doing a podcast is a little bit of a drain for your Uncle Jimmy. He just, uh, you know, I've, I've said it before a few times that I beat the shit out of a lot of the subjects uh, that I talk about. And I'll go on and on about the same things and sometimes even say the same things. And sometimes the podcast just sounds like it's on repeat. You know, it's the same podcast just over and over and over again. It's kind of like fucking Groundhog's Day. You know what I mean? And I like to, I like to try to break it up a little bit. And I was working on doing that, but it was coming out really fucking horrible. So uh, at the last minute, uh, instead of going with some crap that was going to be terrible i'm going to go with some different crap that's probably still going to be terrible uh but what i wanted to do was kind of point out how important you guys are that do this job to people who don't do this job if there are any listening i don't know i don't know honestly who really listens i don't have any uh any figure any stats any data uh, any kind of way of knowing if somebody who isn't an auto mechanic is listening or somebody who used to be an auto mechanic is listening or somebody who is, you know, even, you know, not even an adult yet. You know, I mean, who knows that could, you know, you put stuff out in the internet, anybody can see it, read it or listen to it. So here it is, you know, uh, but this is just a little cautionary tale and maybe this is something that will help us feel better about ourselves. What this is, is I found a little article. It's called 10 car repairs that you should never try to do yourself. Now, it doesn't say anything else other than that. What it should say is 10 car repairs you should never try to do yourself unless you're a mechanic. Or it could say 10 car repairs you should never try to do yourself because you're a dumb fuck. That's maybe what it could say too. That's probably what it would say if I posted it on the uh, Greasy Wheels website page. 10 car repairs you should never try to do yourself because you're going to fuck them up. Okay, and you may even fuck up yourself. And uh, well, I mean, you know, I and you know, if you're a technician or an auto mechanic and you've done it for anything in the remote time span of like two years or more, you have seen you have seen at least one and maybe multiple attempts at repairs and modifications to an automobile that really make you want to throw your lunch right up. I mean, I've seen some horrible shit coming down the pike baby i have seen some of the fucking worst crap ever and you know there was one spot where i worked where it seemed like it was a rule that people had to bring you shit that they just fucked up and they couldn't fix themselves and they they needed you to go back and just undo uh, just unfuck this car i mean whatever way shape or form that they had fucked it up and this was at an independent shop. It was an independent shop. And they kind of specialized in doing crazy stuff to cars. And there's a lot of skill and a lot of talent in that building. And then a lot of people that knew what, what to do in certain situations. And sometimes we didn't know what to do. But we figured it out and because we were handy. And we were actual automotive mechanics. People who could fix things. People who could make things right. Uh, we ended up fixing a hell of a lot of shit that maybe should not have been fixed or at least should not have been fucked up in any way, okay? So I'm going to just kind of dive in here, and hopefully this is a little short podcast. I'm getting started really seriously late this week, and Eric's going to have to kind of fucking run up alongside of this car and try to catch a hold of a door handle and climb aboard and get it edited in, in, in like, record time because I've just been fucking the dog, basically. That's what it comes down to, although I would never actually really physically do that, okay? But it's just a metaphor. Thank you very much. Uh, this article starts out, there's nothing more frustrating than getting excited about fixing a problematic automobile, which is just stupid. Uh, problematic? 
All automobiles are problematic. That's why you and I have a job. Hello. Okay, homeboy. Uh, (laughs) There's nothing more frustrating than getting excited about fixing a broken fucking automobile all by yourself to discover that the repairs required are well beyond your skills. Holy shit. I think this happens to a hell of a lot of people. A hell of a lot of people. And And as a matter of fact, there's marketing out there that is provided for auto parts stores that uh, encourages you to try to repair your car when your skills might be eh, negligible. Uh, I, I I used to go on about the, the red-shirted asses at AutoZone who said, brakes, yeah, you can do them. Yeah, you can also smash into a wall at fucking at 55 miles an hour too and die from that. So uh, yeah, that's one of the things that goes on. Uh, Knowing when to turn things over to a professional is perhaps the most invaluable piece of advice we can offer. Yes. Here's the thing. Okay. And I want to just get this out of the way before I even get started on this list here. Thinking you can fix something and knowing you can fix something and then actually being able to fix something are three separate things and are in no way connected to each other by any stretch of the imagination, by any, any, in any way, shape, or form. Lots of people, I think that there is an absolute, I think it's like 95% of the people on this planet that are over the age of 18 believe that they could fix their car. And maybe some of them even think they could fix their car better than some of us, the pros out there, the ones who have the, you know, the professional tools and the skills and the training and all that shit, they think that they could do what we do. And, but this is not something that was invented uh, with the automobile. Fuck no, this has been around for literally millions, hundreds of millions of years. Human beings have always looked at other human beings and said, fuck that guy. I could do anything he, he can do. That's been going on since cavemen were clubbing the shit out of things, you know, like food and other other cavemen and maybe cave women, who knows? Uh, but people, human beings, always look at other people and say, I'm better than that guy. They always do that. We're always going to do that. We are basically very competitive. And uh, I don't know where that actually comes from. I, myself personally, not that competitive because I'm just not that good at a lot of things. One of the things I'm fairly good at, and I like to use the word fairly because eh, there's days when I fail, but I'm pretty good at fixing cars and I've, I've tried everything. And some of the stuff, that I really sucked at, which I did in a lot of cases. I can tell you about a, a, a merry band of uh, attempts at repairs and, and upgrades that I tried to perform that just went sideways. But I have a tenacity that can't be matched. Uh, if I do something and it fucks up, uh, I'll go back and fix it. And if I can't get it right, I'll, I'll keep going back until I get it right. If you've ever seen any of the cars I've tried to paint, you'll know that I'm still uh, in the middle of that particular journey. Uh, I have figured out quite a few things and I have painted some stuff successfully, but I also have a resume full of shit that I couldn't fucking paint. So uh, that's one of the things that I've had to kind of overcome, but I I have a great desire and a, like I said, a great tenacity to get that shit done and done well. And I'm still on the path to trying to get to uh, get to well done. Now, when we talk about people who think they know how to fix a car, that's one thing. But then we're talking about the people in the middle who attempt to fix their car. Because sometimes people think they can fix their car, but then when they pick up a, a wrench or a hammer or a screwdriver, their brain just says, what the fuck are you doing? This is your voice of reason. Drop the tools and back away from the automobile. You don't no shit and this is an internal argument that goes on in their head and uh just 
but there's a few people who ignore that internal argument, you know, and uh, those are the those are the people who are constantly bringing cars in that are all fucked up, all fucked up. Okay, now we're gonna start here with ten things that people attempt to do to their cars that they should not. And I'll, I'm telling you right now, your 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 mind is gonna run wild when you think of some of the shit that you've seen. Even if you're even if you're in your twenties. Maybe even if you're a teenager, you might have seen some shit that you look at it and you just go, what the fuck was that guy thinking, okay? So here we go. Number one, and I think that this is actually number one for a reason, because I think a lot of people think that they can do body work and painting, okay? Yours truly was one of them. Uh, and, but I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm actually pretty good at body work. Painting, I need a little bit more practice. Uh, I am going to get there, trust me. Uh, I will be doing very good uh, body and paint work uh, in the future, uh, that is, if I can, uh, you know, get to a point where I, I have something to paint. It says here, repairing damaged body panels and applying paint is an expensive, messy, noxious, which means fumes. We're talking about the the fumes that come off of paint and and other sorted chemicals that get used in body repair and time consuming process. Okay. Now I wanted to mention the noxious fumes and, and the, the dangerous chemical compounds that are used in body repair because I have, uh, known many, a great many people and I don't want to bring anybody down again. I mean, I know that we're on a little, I'm, I'm in a little bit of a somber mood myself because of my friend that, that passed away. There's a lot of people who have been in the collision industry who are no longer with us because of the fucking shit they had to use in order to complete collision repairs. And you know something, uh, when I think about it, it makes me kind of angry because you know, here are people who spent a lifetime uh, applying skills and talent to making cars look good, and it killed them. And the problem, I, and the problem that compounds that whole feeling of, of angst about that is that those cars that they fixed, those cars that they painted and made, you know, they made uh, body repairs to them, all those cars are fucking junked now. So at some point, the car was new, a couple years old, this guy went in and, or that guy went in or, or you know, any of these people really, and, and, and they're out there by the millions, quite honestly, went in. And made a repair to this car and then painted it, got fumes, you know, sniffed all these chemicals into their into their nose because they're not going to wear a respirator 100% of the time. It probably should, but they're not going to. And so after doing all of these repairs and then doing it day after day after day for who even knows how many years, they're dead now. They had cancer of some sort because of the, these chemicals and they're gone just so that your car could look good. And you got to a point with that car where you're like, well, fuck it. I don't care about that car anymore. So you started, you know, hitting shopping carts with it and running into other cars and parking next to trees and, and all kinds of shit. And eventually that car ended up in the proverbial grease the wheels junkyard upside down with bullet holes all through it and fucking eat me spray painted on a quarter panel. So it seems to me like a great big enormous fucking waste of time for anybody to really fix cars body wise. Because they're all going to end up in the fucking scrapyard. Sure, there's some cars that hang out and they're with us for a long, long time. But for the most part, nothing built in the last 30 years, ladies and gentlemen. Think about it. 1992, 30 years ago. What, what's been built since then that's worth the flying fuck now? Nothing. There's a few cars out there that some people covet. But for the most part, eh, nothing. Nothing. And so to get sick and die... Fixing the fucking things seems like an enormous waste of, of time and talent and of human resources, really. So 
Uh, here, this is a little tip from your Uncle Jimmy. If you're thinking about painting a car and buying all kinds of these fucking terrible chemicals to fucking slather on the side of your vehicle and either take the paint off or help sand the body or help the paint stick to it or or put primer on it or, or put paint on it or put a clear coat on it or a wax coat on it, man, just fucking leave it alone. Just drive the fucking thing. Who gives a fuck what it looks like? Well, okay, so you do, right? But is it worth dying? Was it worth dying for? I don't know. If you're in the collision industry and you're listening to this, I, I fear for your life. I really do because some of the chemicals I've seen, I mean, they, they should just come in a can with a great big fucking skull and crossbones on them. It's like you open this can and it's probably going to kill you, and it has in the past. So, but let me move on. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin anybody's day here. Okay, uh, people are going to want to fix their cars. They're going to want to make them look good. They're going to want the paint to look good. They're you know. So, uh, I mean, this is a job really for pros, okay? Uh, trying to fix this yourself, I think that there's very few people out there who've never done this before who could dive in and get it done correctly without any help from anybody else. I don't think that anybody could do this job by reading how it's supposed to go, okay? Now, I did have some training, some professional training in how to, uh, you know, do body work and 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 beat panels and remove dents and all that thing. I, I, I went to a, a school that did, did that specifically I, I went i specifically went to a school to learn that stuff how to work with sheet metal how to manipulate it how to how to beat it back into place how to make it look good how to metal finish you know lost art let me tell you something there is not very many people some of these uh dent wizard people know how to do it but even those people had to spend a, a tremendous amount of time trying to figure out how to do it okay so there's that. Okay. That's one of the, that's one of those things that if you were just a novice and you've never done it before, and I mean, you could honestly, let me, let me put it out there this way too. Uh, you could be the best mechanic in the world. You could, you could know everything about engines, transmissions, rear ends, everything else, fuel systems, the electrical systems, everything. You could be a fucking genius at all that shit, but you might not, you might, you might not, you know, your asshole from a hole in the ground when it comes to painting and doing body work. It's, it's not, you know, they don't, they aren't really that connected. One of them is to make the car go and the other one is to make it look good. And uh, not a lot of people have uh, substantial skills in both. And and your Uncle Jimmy's one of them. I don't. Uh, I, I struggle to get body work and paint work done correctly and make it look good. And I still have a ways to go. Uh, I'm not going to give up, though. I'm just, I'm not a quitter like that. But uh, if you don't have any experience with painting a car and you don't have any experience with doing body work, it's, it's, that can be the worst shit in the world. And uh, somebody who's a lot smarter than me said that if you're going to restore a car, the first thing you should do is get the body work done, okay? Because when you go to restore a car, initially the first few days, weeks, and even months of, of a restoration project, you're filled with desire. You're filled with passion for that car. You're filled with the uh, obvious uh, uh, need and or want to, to work on this car to get it to a point where it, it looks like what you have in your mind. And doing the body work first and the paint work first will beat all of that shit right out of you. And you'll be left with the easy stuff after that. And trust me, the mechanical stuff, you know, uh, maybe maybe if you're doing a full frame off restoration and you're going to do the body work first, by the time you get that all done and all of your... All of your fucking tenacity is fucking spent. And all of your desire to see this project finished is spent. The stuff you're left with is mechanical stuff, which is, oh, by the way, a lot fucking easier than doing all that body work and getting the body straight and painted correctly. Ugh. 
It's mind-numbing. Uh, let's move on to number two here. Number two, and this is, uh, again, this is uh, 10 car repairs you should never try to do yourself, and it's aimed, I believe, at the novice. Uh, it goes on to say here, number two is ECU fixes and tuning. Uh, I could have wrote this one, folks. Uh, one of the places I worked at, uh, we would get cars in all the time that just ran wrong. They did. It just, uh, you know, it would start and it would run and it would idle okay. But then when you go to drive it, it just had all kinds of shit that it did and it, and it would fuck up and it would misfire or it would, you know, it would shift at the wrong time. And, and we would go in and we would scan it with a scan tool and then we would look it over and we'd pop the cover off to where the ECU was supposed to be. And we would find some sort of fucking piggyback tuner on it. And I would just shake my head. You know, it's like, look, I know a hell of a lot of people buy these things. There's there's a lot of them out there. There's there's Dynan, there's Carbon, there's Cobb Tuning. There's a million of them. There's I, I couldn't even begin to name them all. I've seen some of them. And Cobb Tuning seems to be one of the ones that I've taken off of cars the most. I've taken a lot of those off of cars. Uh, first off, when we're talking about a tune, a lot of uh, a lot of companies, what they like to do is create what's called a piggyback, which goes in line with the uh, wiring harness into an engine computer, or as in BMW speak, it's a DME. It's a German, the German version of that. Okay, we'll call it an engine computer, whatever you want to call it. It's fine. And in your mind, when you buy one of these things, and you read like I don't know, maybe sales literature on it, or you read about some other people who've had them. They tell you, oh, yeah, it made my car into a 10-second rocket, you know, and, and they're just talking about like a stock car, maybe even a fucking four-door with, with an automatic transmission, and they put this, this tuner in there. They hook it up, and maybe or maybe not, they go in with a laptop and, and turn certain things on and off, adjust certain curves. Uh, that's one of the things that some of these uh, some of these piggybacks will let you do is go in and, and make custom fuel uh, maps or a custom uh, uh, customize your boost uh, when it comes in when it when it comes out uh, all sorts of things like that and uh, I have to say that I firmly firmly do not recommend doing any of that shit now I, I know a lot of you out there go oh come on Uncle Jimmy what the fuck it's my car I can put a tune on it if I want yes yes you can you certainly can okay <laughs> And uh, here's here's what this article says too. And I'm just gonna put I'm just gonna put this out there because it uses a certain phrase at the end of this particular sentence that I don't really like that much. A good rule of thumb is to always leave automotive computer repairs alone. It's a good rule of thumb. I, I have to agree with that part. But then it goes on. This next sentence says, unless you are a certified ASC master technician. Now wait a whole goddamn second, okay? Now I haven't beaten up the ASC people in a long time, and and I don't feel like it's necessary. Okay, they're out there actually performing a, a very valuable service. It uh, the general public out there, people who don't know dick about cars. Uh, have heard the term ASC master technician before. Okay, what does it mean? It means that you took a test, maybe even eight of them, and you passed them all. Does it mean you know anything about cars? Yeah, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> there was a famous con man out there who actually studied and passed a bar exam in the state of Louisiana at one point in time back in the late 60s, early 70s and became a lawyer even though he never went to law school. Okay, so uh, passing a test does not typically indicate that you know what you're doing. It may, in some cases, indicate that you're just lucky. Uh, I don't mean to run ASC Master Techs down. I am one. Uh, I just don't. 
put a lot of, uh, give them a lot of credit, myself included, okay? I think that if you take a test and it says you know what you're doing, I think you need to take a different kind of test, okay? Uh, but I've, I've done a podcast on that, and I might update that in the near future here because it seems like a lot of car companies are looking more towards ASC testing to kind of uh, sort out and hold up the value of their technicians, which is okay. Because if you, if you know, if you're going to have your car worked on and it, you know, they, they say, oh, you know, this guy's going to work on your car. Yeah. What kind of training, what kind of experience does he have? Well, he doesn't have much of anything, but then, you know, and this is to a novice. Okay. This is to a, a, a nubile. Somebody doesn't know what they're up to. If they come by and they say, well, no, this guy's going to work on your car. He's an ASC master technician. That has some meaning to it, okay? So there's some value there to taking those tests and indicating that you know what you're up to, okay? But uh, it is certainly not the end-all to be-all. It doesn't, it's not like a master's degree from, uh, you know, from Yale or Harvard or some other Ivy League school. It's just a, it's just the fact that a guy passed eight tests, And he may just have gone down the line and clicked off C on all of them and somehow or another passed. (laughs) It could happen. Okay. There's a reason for you not to be fooling with air fuel ratios, shift points, and red line uh, limiters. Yes, there is a reason. I have seen people uh, figure out how to change the boost on on cars and uh, have those cars take their engines and uh, turn them inside out and show you what was inside of them. Uh, it, you can you can ruin a car. You can easily ruin an engine by fucking around with the engine computer on it. Okay, its job is to make your car run well in in the first place. Okay, let me let me just be straight about this. In the first place, your engine computer in anything built since 1980 is designed purposely to make your car run efficiently and create as little emissions as possible. Okay. Because now we're we're all lined up here uh, trying to make the planet better. We're trying to save the planet. And what we really need to save the planet from is us, okay? Because we're the ones wrecking the shit out of it. You know, I like to, I, you know, I like to uh, appear almost schizophrenic when I talk about this because I I love cars. Cars are my life. That's what I do for a living. And, and I have a shitload of them. And I think they're great. But on the other hand, okay, and you have to you have to kind of you have to kind of reconcile this one with yourself boys and girls okay the automobile is the one thing that the human race has unleashed on this planet that is destroying it more than anything else yes that's exactly what i said because if you think about it it's not the fact that there's one car or even 10 but there's fucking millions of them and they all spew emissions of some sort and i don't care really even if it's electric, there are still some emissions that are involved there. It might not be visible to you. It might it might be whitewashed into the background, and uh, the materials that the fucking thing is made out of they're they're unbelievably deadly and carcinogenic and and terrible for the environment. And 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 the environment gets destroyed mining them. Okay, so uh, we are ruining the planet with our desire for personal transportation and that's what it comes down to okay because uh, we can certainly lessen the impact of the internal combustion engine or even an electric vehicle if we all just catch a ride with somebody else you know get on a bus take a train ride a bike walk fuck do something different you know uh and and on top of that too one of the other things that we've done as as the human race is we have slathered this planet with asphalt 
slathered it. There's asphalt and concrete roads fucking everywhere. And even though they seem to destroy themselves at a pretty rapid clip, they're still going to be there in some way, shape, or form in a thousand years when maybe, maybe as a race, we're all fucking gone. So uh, to get back to my main point here is that we should probably not fuck with that stuff, okay? But I know how mechanics are. I know how you guys are. I am one. When you tell them not to do something, instantly trying to figure out a way to go ahead and do it anyway it's just nature you know you ask your mom if you can have a cookie and she says no so you get three and when she yells at you you say well you said i couldn't have a cookie you didn't say i couldn't have three cookies i mean that's how people are you give them an inch they take a mile and if you tell them that that these tunings these these tuners out there who have these uh, piggybacks and other assorted upgrades for your engine computer and maybe some of the other systems on your engine uh you tell them that you probably shouldn't use those on your car you're you're right now probably looking up on your phone you go yeah well fuck you uncle jimmy i just bought this one for like 20 dollars. i plugged it in my car goes like a raped ape now okay uh call me back in six months when your raped ape is dead on the side of the road with a rod sticking out of it okay (laughs) that's enough i think i've beaten that one up i'm and, and you're up against it with me because I'm a purist. I like to buy cars and just leave them the fuck alone and let them do what they're supposed to do. And I have always been, I, you know, I, this goes against the grain with some of you, but uh, I've always been rewarded with cars that just seem to work right. They start, they run, they go. I've never had a problem. I've had several cars that I never fucked with them, and, and I was able to either trade them in or sell them, and uh, they ran just fine like they did the day I bought them new. So... You know, you can draw whatever conclusion from that you want, all right? I'm going to move on here because uh, I think that I probably turned quite a few of you off, and I apologize. I understand some of you just love to fuck with shit, and I'm one of them too sometimes, but uh, for the most part, uh, when we come to when it comes to, like, piggybacks and that sort of thing, I, I just find that it's detrimental. That's all. That's all. Enough said. Okay, moving on. Number three, windshield replacement. Well, now here's the thing with windshield replacement, okay? It says that this is one of those repairs that all drivers dread. Really? Okay. At around two hundred to three hundred dollars a pop, yeah, you're not buying the windshields that go in the cars I work on. I earn a lot more than two or three hundred dollars a pop. Uh, it's easy to understand why. Why you can always carve a used one out of a donor car in a junkyard for next to nothing. By the time you pay for all the stuff, the adhesives, the clips, and any required window trim, that quote you got from the shop down the street doesn't seem all that bad. Um, yeah, windshields are they're kind of a touchy subject in some places. I've, I've worked in shops where they don't touch them. They won't touch them. Car comes in with a broken windshield. They call some guy. He comes down and he puts a new one in and like literally appears to me to be like minutes, minutes. And uh, then he gets paid whatever he gets paid. And then the shop gets paid whatever they get paid. And you get nothing. Uh, The shop I'm in now, they decided early on that they were going to do windshields. And by God, that was a good move because uh, we have cars now, and I think it's uh, there's a lot of different reasons for it, but and I'll go into those in a second. But uh, we have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of cars that need windshields, a lot, a lot. And I think the, there's several reasons for this, uh, one of which is that uh, there's a lot of shit 
on the road. It gets thrown up into the air when people drive over it. And in, uh, a lot of times it hits a windshield. And there you go. There's one of the reasons why you'd need a new one. Also, too, uh, I believe that the structural rigidity of some of the vehicles, at least the ones that I work on, is less than optimal. And that's the best way I can put it because they'll they'll build a body shell of a car and then they'll leave the roof with a great big gaping fucking hole in it for a sunroof of some sort. So this this car is is I mean if you were to take and shake this car with none of the doors or the glass or any of the other panels on it, you would be able to flex it quite a bit. And and I don't care how much, you know, how much stiffening you put into it. You drive a car down the road, it's constantly flexing, constantly. And when you add a lot of heat to that and you add terrible road surfaces and tires with either too little or too much air in them and suspensions that are stiff, you get a you get a body shell that wants to flex and the windshield says, I don't fucking think so. And the windshield is the loser in that in that particular case and it cracks and you have to replace it. Okay. So if you're somebody who doesn't do windshields, it seems like the hardest fucking thing in the world. It really does. There's a lot of anxiety that goes with it. And I'll admit that I, I'm right there along with you. I've done windshields in some of my own personal cars, but I never really enjoyed that, you know? And that was always, uh, uh, you know, it was one of those things where it's an older car and you're driving it because you don't have any money and the windshield breaks and you need to get it inspected. So you get a windshield out of one of the other cars you have because you always have more than one. When you're a hot rodder, it's a rule. You have to have more than one of the car you want. Just a rule. If you, if you don't, if you have a nice car at home and you don't have a whole nother one somewhere in, in, in the vicinity of your garage or your property, get fucking cracking and buy another one. Okay. You got to have two. It's like a, it's like a fucking rule, but you yank the windshield out of your parts car and you got to put it in your other car and you figure out how to do it and, and you get it done. You get it done. And typically you, you, you can do it. It's not that hard, but what's happened at our place is we started, I started there about four years ago and had never really done windshields before. And then had somebody who has done a million of them school me on it. And from then on, I've been doing them. And every time I do one, it gets easier and easier and easier. And boy, uh, some of those windshield jobs, they pay really well. You know, you can do everything you need to do to get the windshield out and get a new one in in about two hours. And some of the guys have it down to even less than that. And it typically pays four, five, and in some cases, six hours to do some of these windshields and get all the shit hooked back up and get all the trim back on in that. Uh, so it's 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 a uh, it's a money-making process for you guys. If you're out there and you, you decided you don't want to do windshields, look, bite the bullet and get over it and, and do them. Uh, the pros don't know anything more than you do, honestly. And, and, and if you're working at like a dealership and you have obviously the factory diagnostic equipment, no matter what they throw at you, I mean, whether they're gluing cameras to the inside or the outside or up the middle of them, whatever, uh, you should be able to deal with some of the faults that are going to get set when you pull some of this shit apart. So you're in a better better position to go ahead and do them, really. But if you're just some Joe Blow at home with a crack in your windshield and you don't have any of the special tools, because there's some special tools you're going to want to have to uh, get that job done. Uh, if you don't have those tools, don't 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 attempt it. Really don't. I mean, yeah, you could probably slice a uh, an old broken windshield out with razor blades if you're tenacious enough, but uh, probably going to cut yourself a thousand fucking times and you may ruin some of the interior and you may scratch the fucking paint. It's definitely something you should leave to the pros if you're not in a inclined to learn how to do it yourself. Uh, number four, let's move on here. Uh, electrical uh, gremlins. Uh, it goes here. It says, uh, outside of swapping in a fresh fuse or a relay, you should stay away from the run-of-the-mill electrical repairs. That's a, they say it's a wise move. 
There are endless yards of electrical wiring in a car. It's not yards anymore, honey. It is miles, miles of wiring. And this, even though, and it's still, there's still just a mind-numbing amount of wiring in a car, even though they have figured out how to run a lot of things by running what we call a bus to them and providing a digital signal to whatever control module or whatever input or output it is, and using a digital signal to, to either collect the data from that sensor or to run whatever output it is, we have figured out how to run just two wires to turn several functions on. Even though we have that, it's still monumental. The, the, the engine and body wiring harnesses in some of these cars, unbelievable. If you've ever had to do one, I have. Uh, some of the guys in my shop have done some. Uh, you, it's just it's mind-numbing to look at. If you were to spread, I did this when I did, I did one in a, one of the luxury cars in a brand I worked for years ago, and it came in a fucking duffel bag. And a duffel bag looked like it was a body bag, really, and it probably should have been for me. Uh, but uh, this, this harness spread out on the floor was easily fucking 40 feet long and, and of his Big around as a sewer pipe in some spots with just different wires that ran through it. And it took me an entire week coming in early, working late to get this thing in. And then, of course, I got fucked on the time for it. It's a whole nother ball of wax. Yeah, you should probably, if you don't know what's, and, and here's another thing too. If you don't know what's up with electrical systems in a car, definitely stay away from them because you can fuck some shit up in a hurry. I have seen people, and I've lamented about this many times, who have uh, removed fuses from cars to try to make them work right. Uh, it's never going to happen. I've seen other people try to plug things in to other stuff. I once fixed a car that uh, someone had taken a uh, test light and tried to find power so they could hook up some sort of accessory. And when they did, they poked a wire to see if there was power there. And what they found was light. It was a uh, it was a fiber optic bus that ran the... Uh, <laughs> which is a it was amazing because it was a big huge gob of wires there and they could have poked anything they wanted to but they poked the fiber optic airbag system bus and got light out of it and then they poked the one next to it which was the audio system fiber optic bus there were two big fucking holes in them and you know when you with the thing the thing is if you're not familiar with the fiber optic buses because it was i don't want to say it was a failure but it certainly wasn't the great success that they were hoping it would be uh fiber optic buses don't like it when you let the light out it's just, it's similar to let the smoke out they don't like it they you know you'll you'll get static you'll get static in the audio system and the airbag system will throw a fault and uh, you won't be able to fix that one unless you know what you're up to unless you got the time and the energy and you're getting paid to do it you're not going to be fixing that you're not going to do it uh i was able to do it i knew what i was up to so but uh but that's that's one of the things and i i I kept saying to myself the whole time, I'm going, I can't, I'd love to see the look on this guy's face when he's poking these fucking wires, trying to find power, and he finds light instead. I mean, he must have, he must have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> Am I in a matrix? Jesus Christ. Yeah, you are. Go back. Uh, yeah, electrical systems in cars are, they, they can be tough. I mean, this, the, 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 the actual basics of electricity are pretty easy. I mean, there's only three things you can measure. Volts, ohms, amps. Uh, and they all have a relationship, a mathematical relationship to each other known as Ohm's Law. 
And uh, a lot of you, a lot of you, if you took some kind of automotive training, they beat the shit out of you trying to get this into your head. And it's not that hard to learn it. It And it, it not, you could do this for many years and never have to even once ever think about fucking Ohm's Law. But if you know it and you know what it's all about and you're familiar with the basics of it, you can figure out certain problems maybe just a little bit quicker. But if, if you're if you're even remotely smart and you just couldn't catch on to Ohm's Law, you're still going to probably be able to figure out what the fuck is going on, okay? Uh, yeah, you should probably know that, but should you know there's a lot of other things that you should probably know if you're a mechanic and you're trying to work on electrical systems, but you know, you're going to get the job done. It might just take you a little longer, that's all. But if you are a nubile, a neophyte, and you're trying to work on an electrical system, I, I just, I beg you to stay away from it. Because uh, you can really cause some serious damage. Hooking power to a, uh, a ground source, back probing shit at, at uh, our manufacturer, the manufacturer I work for, would probably have an epileptic seizure if they saw some of the shit we do uh, to diagnose their shit with uh, inappropriate and incorrect methods. Uh, that's not how they would say it because they're German. So they would say it in German, and I don't know how to say it in German. But I'm sure that it sounds evil and mean, and makes me probably would make me want to kill myself like Hitler did too. Yeah, electrical, electrical uh, gremlins, electrical problems. They can uh, they can balloon in a hurry if you don't know what you're up to. You can really have a lot of problems, and sometimes the fix is simple. I would say, you know, and just as, just in my experience, when you're looking at an electrical concern, if you know what you're up to and you know what ohms and volts and amps are supposed to do and, and you know about fuses, hello, don't forget to fucking check the fuses, boys and girls. God damn it. How many of you have the story where, oh, I was diagnosing a system for an hour and then I checked the fuse and I felt like a stupid fuck. Well, and it's happened to me. It's happened to me. It's happened to all of us uh, a lot of times. You check a fuse, it's blown, you put another one in there, it blows again, you just have more work to do. But when a fuse blows, you should know why. That's where your Ohm's law comes from. You know, when it overamps, that means the the uh, Ohm's resistance has gone down because typically the voltage remains the same, typically, okay? Anyway, I don't want to be, I don't want to give you a lesson on it. Uh, electrical systems can cause you heartache and, and the less you know, the bigger the heartache. All right, let me move on here. That's enough said about electrical systems. Really, honestly, uh, last thing I want to say about electrical systems, it separates the men from the boys. And if you're a girl, it separates the the, the ladies from the, from the little girls, uh, if that's appropriate. I don't know. Electrical systems will cause you to uh, regret your decisions, <laughs> regret some decisions that you have made. So just so you know, okay. Uh, let me move on here. Number five, fuel system fixes. Uh, yeah, you know, the days of simple fuel systems where you had a mechanical fuel pump and a fuel tank and a big long hose that ran to the front and, and you had a carburetor and the pump just pumped shit into the carburetor and a float said, hey, I need some more fuel. Or if the float was high, it just said, I right, shut that fuel off, goddammit. Uh, and then the, the, basically the carburetor was a toilet and every time you opened up the uh, throttle valves, that toilet got flushed and all that fuel went, down. instead of going into a sewer, it went into your intake manifold and channeled itself into the cylinders where the valves were open. It was pretty inefficient. And yet we did that shit for like 90 fucking years, <laughs> 90 years we did that. And now, now we have fuel injectors and uh, some some fucking wise guy figured out a while ago that you could just screw the fuel injectors right into the cylinder like a spark plug and inject the fuel right into the fucking cylinder. 
Well, I'm sure that that guy went home and patted himself on the back and said, you did a good job today. You have invented something that's going to help save a lot of money and, and make the vehicle run more efficiently and make it run and make it easier to fix. And then uh, the next day he came in and the engine that he'd been working on was all exploded and in pieces because the fuel injector leaked. And there was a hydrolock situation and pieces of the engine decided they couldn't squeeze the liquid any more than they could. And so stuff either had to bend or break. And, and sometimes when it breaks, especially if an engine's running, it's going to shoot pieces of itself out of the side of it. Here's my connecting rods. Oh, hey, look at it. I almost made it to the door. Uh, here's the thing with fuel systems, okay? Fuel is a funny thing. Fuel fucking burns. Did you know that? Yeah, how about that shit, right? If you have fuel leaking onto a hot engine, you basically, you got the recipe for a fire. You got the recipe for a fire. And you know, I, I've i I've set a car on fire one time. Uh, it was an accident. My brother doesn't think it was, but it was. Because <laughs> it was his. Cars burn really, really, really well. They have a lot of shit in them. Plastic, fabric, rubber even. There's fuel all this shit loves to burn it loves it loves it loves it loves it if you ever set a car on fire you will be surprised a how well it burns and b how strong it burns and then c with what's left which is not fucking much you catch a car on fire you're going to be left with a quickly rusting sheet metal hulk of what used to be a working automobile fire will reduce that shit to a worthless pile of scrap metal in one hell of a hurry so with that said don't fuck with fuel systems if you don't know what you're doing just don't fucking do it obviously uh early on we had carburetors uh and we had floats and needles and seats that the float were attached to and it really was it, 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 it nearly identical to the way a toilet works. When the float goes down, fuel flows in, the float goes up, it shuts off the flow of fuel. As you're driving along, the float will go up and down and let fuel in and stop it and let fuel in and stop it. And if anything goes wrong there and fuel keeps coming in when it's not supposed to, it will actually pour out the top. It will flood out the engine. And if enough fuel comes out, it will cover the engine. And then if your engine is hot enough, Guess what you have? Yup, a Cajun automobile, burnt to a crisp. It's terrible. So, you know, unless you have a, a really good idea what you're up to and you know how fuel systems work, I sincerely suggest you don't fuck with them. We have, uh, in the, the brand I work for, apparently, and I, I have to just assume this, okay, apparently we've had some problems with some fuel lines not being either uh, installed correctly or not being tightened down correctly. And so when you do certain repairs, especially under warranty, you are advised to replace a specific fuel line. It's just a, a short, probably maybe 13, 14-inch line. It's a stainless steel with two th threaded ends on it. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with the one you're taking off the vehicle, but they insist that you replace this line every time you have to remove it. And uh, the only, re the only th reason for that that I can come up with in my mind anyway is that somebody somewhere didn't fucking tighten one up, caused the car to get burned up, and then this created a shitstorm. And because a lot of times things that we have to do to cars are because something went wrong at some point in time somewhere else and there was an enormous fucking shitstorm. And so everybody just said, fuck it, we're going to do it this way from now on to avoid future shitstorms. And I think a lot of times when you do a repair, and I don't think customers, I don't know if customers get this, maybe they don't get it, maybe they don't care, or maybe they're not being offered any kind of uh, options. But when you replace certain parts in the car, and you know this, uh, I don't care what brand you work for, and even if you're an indie, you 
you do the same thing. You will replace a lot of the parts to go along with whatever it is that's failed because they can help the new part fail if you don't replace them. And also too, you just have to make everything new. You reuse something and something goes wrong, you're the asshole. So, you know, if you, and you'll get to a point where you'll be like, well, you know, if we do this, we have to do that too. And well, can't we just do, no. You have to hold the line. You have to say, listen, we're not going to tell you that we'll replace your fuel pump and not replace your fuel pump control module because if we do that, we're going to have to come back later and replace that fuel pump control module because we didn't do it with the fuel pump. And that makes us assholes. And it makes you into an asshole because you're going to want us to pay for it because you're going to be like, well, you should have replaced it when I replaced the fuel pump. So shoot the locks off, boys and girls, and replace all the parts you're supposed to and maybe even some that you don't think you need to. Just change them anyway, okay? Especially when it comes to fuel systems. The obvious failure can be monumental and you don't want to have to deal with that, okay? Moving on to number six here. It says snapped coil springs. I don't know why they say snapped coil springs, um, my experience with coil springs is they get a little bit rusty and then they, they do, they, they snap. I'm sure they do, uh, but they break. Uh, but the thing is with a broken coil spring, that's about, that's really close to being pretty fucking inert. Okay. Because if you have a, a coil spring and it has rusted and broken, then it's not, it's no longer filled with kinetic energy. Uh, and so it makes it a lot less dangerous to work with. And, I've, and I'm, you know, you might say, oh, Uncle Jimmy, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. No, you're wrong. I do. Uh, I have a car at home that has eaten coil springs. It is on its fifth fucking set in the back. And let me tell you something else, too. We charge big money to change these fucking things. And uh, what what the killer part is, okay, I'm currently residing in the southern part of the United States. And down here, they have no idea how to change a coil spring in a car because they don't fucking break because they don't have the rust problem that we have in the north and the northeast. But in the north and the northeast, we have lots of cars that break springs all the fucking time because of the shit we spread on the road. So having broken coil springs is a big fucking deal up there. And let me tell you something. It pays an hour and a half a side and I could do them. I can get them out in about 10 minutes. It is fucking straight up free money. And they break. They break just because the coating on the spring comes off somehow or another for whatever reason. The spring rust, as soon as it starts to rust, it's actually going to work harden right there where it's rusting. And then eventually it's going to snap. And it happens a fuck of a lot up there. Okay. Now here's what it says here because this is actually true. It says, always under extreme pressure and strong enough to kill a full-grown man, the springs on a car are tightly wound mousetraps. No, no, they're really not mousetraps. Uh, springs, yes. In If the spring is loaded, because you can load the fucking piss out of a spring with kinetic energy by, by you know, uh, squeezing it together. You know, if you do like doing a strut and you need to compress the spring, you're loading that spring with energy. And yes, if it slips, it could come shooting out of there. And yes, it could rip your head off. If you're a full-grown man, and even if you're a young man who's not fully grown yet, it could still kill you, okay? I don't know why it says to kill a full-grown man. I mean, like a full-grown man is supposed to be uh, impervious to any kind of injury. I think full-grown men and not full-grown men could all get killed pretty much the same fucking way. Uh, anyway, what they're trying to say is here that uh, springs, if they're loaded up like on a strut, typically have uh, a lot of energy built up in them. They call it kinetic energy. And you have to use special tools to get 
the struts apart in such a manner that the spring isn't just completely unloaded. But there's always an asshole, and you're listening to one right now, who takes the strut out in the middle of the shop and hits the nut on the end of it with his impact gun, and the spring just pops apart and shoots the strut, you know, a good 10, 20 feet the other way. And then, boom, you're done taking it apart. And if you're changing the springs, you just throw that thing in the fucking scrap bin and call it done. Then you have to compress the new spring, okay? So really what I'm doing is avoiding going over to the spring compressor and compressing the old spring when it's just basically not necessary. Just put the thing on the fucking floor, hit it with your impact gun and let it fucking fly apart. It's not going to go anywhere. You've you've isolated the part in the middle of the shop so nothing's going to fly out of there and hit something. I mean, it could happen. Yes, it could happen. Sometimes the, the strut shoots out, you know, 10 or 20 feet. And, but if you've done it in the right place and, you you know, you don't have anybody standing around and you're not aiming it at somebody, not going to hurt anybody, okay? Yes, when a spring is fully loaded, though, there's a lot of energy in there and you don't you do not want to be on the receiving end of that energy. And so I suggest that if you've never done it before, even if you're a mechanic, if you've never done it before, have somebody else help you, uh, read up on how to get it done, or be as safe as you possibly can uh, messing around with fucking coil springs, okay? Now there's other kinds of springs. There's leaf springs, but typically they're not even loaded up when you lift the car up off the ground, they unload themselves. So they're really pretty much inert at that point. The only time they're loaded up is when the weight of the vehicle is on them and you're not going to fuck with them then. Snapped coil springs, I don't know, just uh, it doesn't have to be snapped. Any kind of coil spring can definitely ruin your fucking day, okay? And I'm sure that there have been people. And uh, I just want to make note of the somber, mo- somber mood here on the on the podcast this week. I'm sure there's somebody somewhere who has actually fucked with a coil spring and had it kill them or even just maim them, okay? So I don't want to sound like this is not an important subject. It kind of is, but you just have to be safe out there. Uh, As your Uncle Jimmy, I want you all to be safe. Have all your arms and legs, fingers and toes, and your eyeballs, and whatever else you got, your ears. I want you to be safe in all respects and enjoy a long life. I don't want you to be like Alex and have it end when you're 30. It just seems like a waste. He was an unusual cat, and uh, I wish he was still around, but I'm glad I knew him. I'm glad I knew him. And uh, I know that he knew how to fuck with coil springs, and that's not what killed him. So don't let that be what kills you. Be safe around that shit. And if you're a novice or a nubile, don't fuck with coil springs at all. Just leave it to the pros. All right, moving on, seven. Number seven is transmission fixes. Now, I want to scroll back up to the top of this. And what it is, is 10 car repairs you should never try to do yourself. And number seven is transmission fixes. Um, I'll tell you, this, here's an odd thing with transmissions. So few mechanics that I know actually know how a transmission, an automatic transmission that is, know how they work. Uh, and some of them that do, uh, they still don't fuck with them. They don't want to fuck with them. There's a lot of shit going on in there. If you learn the basics, you can kind of figure out what's supposed to happen and and probably even repair them. But it's not cost effective anymore. So it's just not something that we do. And besides the, uh, I mean, obviously early on automatic transmissions, they had one, they had, you know, two gears, maybe three. They were cast iron, which made them heavy as a motherfucker. And they leaked a lot and they didn't work that well. But that that was a long time ago, boys and girls. Transmissions now, automatic transmissions, unless we're talking about Fords, 
automatic transmissions uh, of the current generation of vehicles, they tend to work pretty good. They just have a few requirements. Don't overheat them. Always make sure they're full of fluids. And you know what? Step on the brake before you throw it and drive after backing out of a driveway. You know, I mean, if you, I mean, we did this for years and I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. I've done it a million fucking times. You back up and instead of hitting the brakes, you just fucking move the gear shift lever to drive and fucking away you go. And the next thing you know, you need to buy tires because usually it fucking breaks them loose. <laughs> uh, here's what this particular website says about this have you ever looked inside the bell housing of a car's transmission well yes i have it's a twisted maze of gears tensioners bearings and rods really rods okay well maybe on the outside but not in the bell housing all of which have to fit right back where they belong in order to work well that's kind of true uh some of that shit it's kind of important that it goes where it's supposed to be think swapping a transmission is the way to go instead of rebuilding one good luck getting all those sensors out of the way without breaking a few crusty clips and smashing a finger or two crusty clips okay i don't typically find a lot of clips crusty or otherwise on a transmission uh i find bolts is what i find and then honestly they're sometimes pretty crusty especially if you're living in the north or the northeast of the country. Uh, Because what happens is a lot of times engines, blocks uh, are aluminum or some other alloy and the uh, transmissions, they're almost always aluminum. And then you bolt in there, uh, you bolt them together with a steel bolt. So you get what we call a bimetallic reaction and you get corrosion. And I've snapped off a quite a few bolts that are supposed to hold the transmission onto an engine. But being from the Northeast, this is not really a, a, a big problem. Um, and, and you would, you would find, uh, you would find some of our solutions barbaric. I think in some cases, uh, a lot of times that we have a problem like that, we'll saw the head of that bolt off, take the transmission out, we'll be left with a stud and either heat that thing up until it's cherry motherfucking red and then fucking get it out that way. Because the old saying holds true, can't be stuck if it's liquid. Thank you very much, Mr. Mazza. Yeah, and and there's also all kinds of different ways to remove uh, broken fasteners, either easy outs or what we call a turbo socket, which is a a left-hand twisted socket that works itself onto a stud of some sort and actually pulls that stud out because it gets jammed on there and it's in the, the spun on in the counterclockwise manner. And that's how you try to spin it when you're trying to take it out. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, transmissions can get crusty. Sure. Okay. But I don't think that's the major problem. The major problem with transmission is that a lot of times if you have a problem with a transmission, an automatic transmission in anything, I don't care what it is. If you have a problem with it, it's probably too fucking late because there's clutches in there. And the clutches, uh, either what the clutches are supposed to do, and let me give you a brief rundown here. Automatic transmissions work on the principles of one component called a planetary gear set. And if you've never seen one, you should get yourself down to a tranny shop and see if they can give you one that they took out of a car. Because uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of automatic transmissions nowadays, especially like at eight speed, probably have three or four of these things They're called planetary gear sets. And what they do is they create drive or overdrive or maybe even underdrive in some cases by having some of the gears in that planetary gear set either driven or held or drove. In other words, some of them are powered, some of them transmit power some of them receive power and some of them are just held in place 
Okay, and that's basically how a transmission works. You take these planetary gear sets and you either hold the, imp the input comes in and then you either hold a gear or you let it drive another gear, whatever. And that's all the clutches do. All the, that's all the clutches do and that's all the valve body does is direct which parts of those planetary gear sets are drive driven or held. That's it. It's that simple. All of that shit can go south in a hell of a hurry if the fluid gets nasty or if it gets low or if it gets overheated, clutch material will come off. Clutches will stop working. They will slip. I know that the manufacturer I work for, they call it uh, clutch monitoring, A to B, one to two, whatever it is. Typically, that indicates that it's too fucking late and you need a new one, okay? Uh, not a lot of novices are going to fuck with automatic gearboxes. I mean, unless maybe they're curious and they go to the junkyard and they buy one that's fucked up. Or they just pick one up that's fucked up. And they want to see how it works and they pull it all apart. And I'll tell you honestly, that if you pull a transmission apart and you start fucking with all the parts inside of it, you may be left with more questions than answers as to how it works. I'm a, I'm dead serious too. There's a lot of shit going on in there. There's basics. And if you understand the basics, you can see what's supposed to happen. But if you don't have the basics okay, and, you, you, and you're kind of on the fence about what's supposed to happen in there, you are probably not going to ever be able to figure it out. And that goes for a lot of technicians, too. I know that in the shop I'm in, when uh, when we have a, a car that has a transmission problem, we don't rebuild them. We do not do that. We replace them. It is more cost effective because I can take a tranny out and put a new one in in about three hours. And that's if I lollygag. And uh, if I take one out and I take it apart and I get find out what's wrong with it and then I get the parts to fix it and then I put it back in, that could take me months. Seriously, with the supply issues we're having nowadays, might not ever get back together. So you're better off just replacing it as an assembly, sending the old one out to somebody who can rebuild it and that's what they do, that's what they specialize in. Uh, that's always a better choice, okay? Unless it's a transmission you don't need for anything, don't fuck with it. It's in your daily driver, especially don't fuck with it, you know, but you can certainly do maintenance to it, which I find nobody ever wants to do maintenance to an automatic transmission. I stopped quoting it a long time ago. Nobody ever wants to, you know, get the fluid changed to get the filter changed. Nobody's doing that shit anymore. They should, but they don't. They don't do that. All right, let's move on here. Going long, it's okay. I do it every week. I go long. I don't plan on it, though. You know, I always like, ah, oh, you know, I'll just do a little half-hour podcast and it ends up being an hour 45 or some shit, okay? Uh, number eight is AC system restoration. Here's the deal with that. Here's the deal with that. I actually went to an automotive uh, training uh, years ago before I became a professional mechanic with the express purpose of learning how air conditioning works. And of course, I was successful because I was I was motivated to figure out how it works so that I could fix it, okay? Because I didn't know how it worked at all. There's a lot of shit going on there. There's high sides, there's low sides. The refrigerant, whatever it uses for refrigerant, becomes a gas, uh, becomes a liquid. It gets compressed as a gas. It gets cooled down. It becomes a liquid again. Boom. It boils in an evaporator, which sucks heat out of your car. Oh, and by the way, humidity. What a concept. Whoever came up with that must have fucking shit their pants the first time they discovered that. I mean, they're in a room with like the very first air conditioner ever. And all of a sudden, not only does it get cooler, but it gets drier. And there's a puddle of water there that used to be humidity. And they're like, holy fuck, 
Talk about a bonus, right? Because that's what really makes you uncomfortable is humidity. I mean, it's hot where I am, but it's fairly dry. And when I go home, it's like 10, 15 degrees cooler, but there's more humidity, so it feels worse. It's less comfortable. It's terrible. And the fact that air conditioning actually cools the air and removes the moisture, oh, my God. We got to thank somebody for that one. Maybe God, I don't know, whatever, whoever you believe in, thank them for that, okay? Because that's what makes driving in a car with the air conditioning uncomfortable. Not so much that it's cold or cool. That's cool. It's obviously great. But the fact that the humidity has been fucking ixnayed out of that whole fucking deal, that's the fucking part that really blows my mind, you know? And I'll be down underneath the car doing a video, and I'll get water. I mean, it's hot as fuck down here where I am. So every car I work on has water spewing out of the uh, evaporator drain. Sometimes it pours out like a fucking faucet. I mean, really, you know, because it's still humid here. It's just not as humid as it is in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. And the air conditioning is working perfectly and taking all that humidity and dumping it right on my fucking head. It's okay, boys and girls. I'll live. I'm not made out of sugar. Although my doctor would probably uh, probably disagree. <laughs> He's seen my blood work. He, there's a lot of uh, a lot of sugar in there. Uh, yeah, air conditioning. There's a lot of shit going on. There's different kinds of air conditioning. Okay. Uh, early on, manufacturers used to leave the air conditioning compressor on full time and cycle the uh, a valve called POA valve. Uh, that worked very well, actually, with R12. Also, to uh, another thing you have to take into account when you're dealing with refrigerants is, number one, they're under pressure. And if you overpressurize them, they could blow off, and they can conceivably uh, hurt you or damage the vehicle. I think if it damages the vehicle, that's secondary to hurting you. So uh, air conditioning is, uh, is it's one of those things you either understand it and know how it works and are able to fix it, or you don't. And I would say that people who are in that latter category, uh, there's a greater number of people in that later category, people who don't understand it. I have told the story many times of a guy I worked with who had a, a, a minuscule IQ who uh, decided he could do AC work after watching somebody else do it. And uh, he had a car where the air conditioning didn't work. I'll just give you a brief summary here. He had, an air, he had a car where the air conditioning did not work and he ev evacuated the system and then he recharged it to the proper level and he found it still didn't work. And because that was the extent of his knowledge of how AC works and how you work on AC, he did it again. And uh, by the time he was done, and I took the car over from him. He had evac and recharged it five times and was on his way to a sixth time. I will give him uh, extra credit points for being tenacious, but he still gets an F as a failure for not understanding what the fuck he was doing. Uh, if, you've, if you're not familiar with the story, it turned out that it had a faulty evaporator temp sensor that said it was already at freezing, which is 32 degrees. Or if you don't like the standard system, the metric version of it is zero degrees. That's what the tester said. The tester said that the evaporator was at zero degrees, even with the AC off. So swapped out a uh, evap temp sensor and found the AC started working just fine. Uh, that's just a little note to any of you out there who understand how an AC system works. Always check your statuses. Doesn't it, it isn't always a leak. And uh, lately, what we're finding in some of the cars that we have that are hybrids and electrics is that they have electric AC compressors. And apparently, the people who make them they kind of don't know what the fuck they're doing because they blow up and then they fill the entire AC system with garbage. You know, remnants of, of, of shredded metal and and uh, an oil that is filled with just 
stripper glitter is what I like to call it. And it ruins it. Okay. So uh, here, here's a, this is just a general good rule of thumb from your Uncle Jimmy for anybody out there who's not sure how air conditioning works. Don't find out the hard way. Don't fuck with it. Okay. If you don't know how it works, either endeavor to figure out how it works or leave it the fuck alone and give it to an expert. Somebody who knows what's going on there. And even me, even myself, I mean, I know how it works. I know what's supposed to happen. I know about the electric portion of it, you know, all the uh, the sensors and all that shit. I know all that stuff. But still, every once in a while, I fucking get a brain cramp when it comes to AC. And I'm like, oh, which line is the high side? I don't I don't fucking know. And then I think to myself, the high side, high pressure side. Okay, the high pressure side is going to be the liquid side. Right? Does that make sense? I don't know. Is that right? You'll have to you'll have to kill me on the Facebook page if I'm wrong, okay? Because like I said, I don't don't get it so completely that uh I know what I'm talking about all the time with it. All right. I do know how it works. I just have trouble identifying some of the components, maybe. <laughs> uh definitely leave it to a trained professional, okay? Um, it can be dangerous. It can be. I haven't seen anybody walking around with three fingers missing because they fucked with an AC system, but I'll bet you money there is somebody out there somewhere who has had some sort of injury because they were fucking with an AC system and it didn't go well. So be safe around that shit. And if you don't know anything about it, leave it the fuck alone, all right? Hey, number nine, uh, we're getting towards the end here, which is always a good thing. Number nine is brake plumbing and reservoir replacement. I'm not sure why they would say that. Obviously, this article was written by somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Because what it should say is brake lines and master cylinder replacement. Uh, And in some cases, lots of cases, lots of modern cases anyway, I'd say probably since the late 70s, uh, the reservoir is just a plastic tank that lives on top of the master cylinder. And typically, eh, it doesn't need to be replaced. I mean, unless it leaks, which can happen, I'm sure, but it's not a common thing at all. Uh, When we talk about brakes, and I'm, I'm not sure it should be number nine, I think it should be number one. I don't believe that anybody who doesn't have a clue about how brakes work or why they should work should ever fuck with them. But yet you have these uh, auto parts stores out there that are trying to sell the auto parts they have in their building and telling people, hey, brakes are easy. You can put them on, no problem. Everybody can do them. No, that is absolutely the wrong fucking message. I mean, you could say the same thing to people who are contemplating heart surgery. Hey, everybody has a heart. Everybody knows how they work. Go ahead and fuck with them. No, you don't want to do that, okay? Brakes have to work. End of sentence, period. Exclamation point, for Christ's sakes. Brakes have to work, okay? Because even if a car doesn't have an engine, even if a car doesn't have an engine or a transmission, it has wheels, and uh, maybe it's parked on a fucking hill, and you're sitting in it, and maybe you're fucking around with it. Maybe you're just sitting in it because you need a place to sit, and all of a sudden it starts rolling downhill, and it's rolling towards something that really doesn't want to have uh, you know, a car smashed into it. For whatever reason, it doesn't want that. It doesn't you know? It's not sitting there going, "Hey, go ahead, roll that thing downhill and hit me." It's not. It's not something that you want to have happen. And even though all that shit's missing, if the master cylinder's still there, and the rotors and the calipers and the and the uh, uh, wheel cylinders and the brake drums are all in place, and they have shoes on them that are even in you know somewhat serviceable condition, you should be able to stop that car from hitting something. Okay, even taking apart as much as it is, brakes are very important. Cars move at breakneck speed. We don't really think about it when we're going 70 miles an hour down the highway. Uh, The human body really was never designed to go 70 miles an hour. And if for some reason something pops up in front of you and you can't stop in time and you hit it, you're going to find out that the human body doesn't 
like it when it's going 70 and suddenly has to stop going 70. Something's going to give. Your body's going to keep going while the rest of the car stops. You're going to hit a steering wheel, a dashboard, a windshield. You may even fly out of the fucking car and hit something else. Who even knows? Uh, I've seen people, they put cameras in cars a lot of times when they're testing them to see uh, what's going to happen in an accident. And they put these uh, mannequins in there, these dummies, crash test dummies, and then they film them from inside the car. And you would be surprised if you see where these fucking things go. This is why you should wear your seatbelt, boys and girls, because in a rollover accident, your body hits the roof and then it hits the side of the car. And if there's glass there or there was glass there, your body could just as easily be ejected and possibly even rolled over onto by that car. It happens. It happens a lot. It's terrible. Uh, I hate to even speak about it, but uh, when car accidents happen, bad things happen. To people's bodies they're not designed to go 70 and then stop going 70 instantaneously and that's what uh, what kills people it's not the uh it's not the going fast part it's the sudden stop now when we're talking about brakes and a car what brakes do is they turn the, the forward energy of a car moving which is kinetic energy and they transfer it into heat friction and that stops the car that makes the wheels stop trying to turn and will eventually bring you to a stop. Uh, when you uh, when you jam on the brakes, you're still going to move forward. That kinetic energy does not instantly disappear as heat. Uh, it takes a little bit of time. So with that being said, you have to understand that brakes need to be good. Not they don't. Not only do they have to work, they have to be good. Because if you are going down the road 70 miles an hour and you suddenly need to come to a complete stop in a very short distance and you have pads that you've neglected and they are metal to metal, guess what? You're in a car accident because metal to metal does not provide the type of friction that removes the heat that takes the kinetic energy away from your forward movement. It doesn't work. It does not fucking work. Now I've seen, I think all of us have seen the people out there who are riding around and every time they press their brakes, they're actually pressing the piston from their caliper against the rotor. Seen it. These people are a little thing that I like to call stupid motherfuckers. Stupid, lazy, cheap motherfuckers. And they deserve to be dead, really, honestly. If you neglect something that important that much, you're just asking God to fucking call you home. That's all. That's all there is to it. Uh, Brakes is not something that you should ever cheap out on. And if you're not familiar with how they work and you're not familiar with how to replace them and you're not familiar how to adjust them, you should not fuck with them. You should not fuck with them. You should leave it to the pros because you don't want to find out that you did something wrong at the worst possible moment. You do not want to crash into the proverbial grease the wheels school bus full of children because you put the fucking brake pad in backwards, which is really, really, really fucking easy to do. Okay, that's not not something anybody ever mentions to you. You know, mechanics like to post pictures on Facebook of people who put pads in backwards and couldn't figure out why the car didn't want to stop for fucking shit. And it made all kinds of crazy ass noise when they stepped on the pedal. They never say, wow, this is really easy to do wrong. That's why you should not fucking do it yourself unless you're a pro. Now, obviously, lots of us are smart enough to put brakes on, and we're not pros. I've done plenty, plenty of brake jobs on my cars and other people's cars when i was an amateur and i had pretty good results but you know i i really probably could have been a pro at that time so there's that but if you don't know what you're up to if it's all a mystery to you how it works definitely definitely don't fuck with it all right 
Or we come to the last one here, and this is uh, uh, this this one is just wrong the way it's written. But I'm going to read it off anyway. Number ten, and it says defective airbag fixes. Well, uh, okay, yes, you can have defective airbags. You're not going to fix them, uh, and you can have blown off airbags. You're definitely not going to fix those. They're a one-time use only uh, kind of a thing where when they go off, you uh, you slice out what's left of it and then you unbolt what what was the cassette or the chassis of that particular part. You throw it away and you get a new one. And you have to buy those from the new car manufacturer because they're the only people in the whole world who will handle the liability of an airbag that does not fucking work properly. You are not going to get airbags from a pick and pull or from a junkyard if you do if you do get an airbag from these people somehow or another whether you steal it or you just sneak it out or whatever i really kind of you know you're playing with a a loaded deck because if a car's in a junkyard it's a good chance that it's been rained on a few times it's a good chance that some of those components are rusty or corroded and uh you know i mean i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that you can't do it you certainly can i just don't I just don't, I don't recommend it, okay? You want to make sure that, and, and you know, the, here's the thing too. And this kind of drives me wild a little bit, but there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of cars in the junkyard where the airbags are still perfectly fine. They never got into an accident. The airbag never had to go off and there it is, okay? Uh, whether or not those airbags are still good or not, who knows? Do you want to find out the hard way? Not me, really, not me. Um, a lot of cars, I've seen a lot of cars also too in the scrapyard where the airbags actually did go off. And that's why they're in the fucking scrapyard, too. So they did their job. They do it once. That's it. You throw them away. I would suggest uh, completely always using a new one, always getting a brand new one, if indeed they are available. Uh, They've been putting airbags in cars now for right around almost 30 years now or so, some some a little longer even. It may be completely and totally difficult to find a good airbag or to get get a new airbag from the manufacturer especially if the manufacturer doesn't exist anymore. A lot of companies have gone belly up since in 30 years. So there's that as a problem. Airbags are pretty simple devices, actually. They are uh, basically little tiny Claymore mines that have a little detonator in them and they blow up and they're they're triggered to blow up by an airbag module that sees different parameters, okay? It sees that the vehicle is coming to a very sudden stop uh, via a little G meter, which looks a lot like a Wii controller. And then also, too, it will look at some other parameters like a front end sensors. It'll say, hey, the front end sensor is no longer where it's supposed to be. And it has, it's seeing a crash. And usually the, the, the systems that, that transmit these digital signals for these systems are fast enough to say, hey, this car is right now driving itself into a wall or another car or a tree or something immovable. And the airbag module is fast enough to say, well, let's pull off the airbag so that whoever's in the car hits the airbag instead of the steering wheel and the dashboard and the, and the windshield. And then a small explosive device, and yes, it is a small explosive device, blows up a bag. It becomes filled with whatever, probably air, really, hence the name airbag, right? And then it cushions you and keeps you from driving your body and your face and your upper torso headlong into something that might kill you or eviscerate you. Defective airbag fixes. Uh, This is what it says here. This last warning should be a bit obvious. It's really not. But that doesn't stop people from trying to swap out detonated or defective airbags on their own. 
Uh, unplugging everything properly and removing the old unit is one thing. Fitting in the fresh airbag can be a completely different story. Airbag uh, airbag installation, is, we, we do a lot of them. We had Takata airbags in the cars that I work on, uh, and we can change those fucking things out rather quickly. We're putting a new type, uh, different manufacturer's bags in there. They don't degrade in the uh, intense heat of the south part of the uh of this country and and around the equator and the rest of the other countries of the world with airbags themselves they need to be installed properly and also too when you unplug them there are typically safety devices inside of the plug uh and in our case what they're called is it's a unbridging and what it is is when you and if you're not familiar with this this is one of the reasons why you shouldn't fuck with them when you unplug an airbag at least the ones for the brand that i work for because the only ones i've really ever seen to be honest with you there's a uh, two little uh metal strips in there that ground it as soon as you unplug it it becomes grounded and it could not possibly go off by itself it's really literally impossible but when you put the new airbag when you when you plug the airbag back in there's a little device inside that airbag which moves those two little grounding straps off of the pins for the actuation circuit and you unbridge it when you unbridge it it becomes active and if it gets the right pulse of voltage from your airbag control module it will go off and there's uh, i know i've known mechanics who uh, take great joy in setting off airbags because uh, it's semi-violent and it's destructive and it's fun so <laughs> but uh, for the most part it's very difficult to uh it's very difficult to screw them up, but you have to plug them in correctly in order for them to work. And believe me, if you plug one in and you don't have it unbridged properly, and, and the way the connectors are designed is to unbridge them when they are connected and, and then allow them to to uh, bridge themselves uh, when they're disconnected. If you if you screw that up, you will be chasing your tail if you're not familiar with how that system works. So if you're going to screw with airbags, you might want to take a really close look at how they connect what the connectors look like because I've seen people and probably a good three or four different mechanics chase their tail replacing an airbag and finding out that the airbag was not the fucking problem it was the unbridging little it was the little plastic unbridging uh clip that went inside the uh airbag connector itself so that's just a little uh 411 from your uncle jimmy the one of the things that goes on with airbags too and you should be familiar with this if you understand at all why the takata airbags needed to be replaced is that when people uh get into a car crash and the airbag fails to go off immediately and i really mean like instantly in their brain they think oh my airbag should have gone off so my airbag system didn't work so i have to sue somebody and that's the problem we have with today's society is so litigious it's so uh, you know, I have to sue somebody, uh, you know, something didn't work the way it's supposed to, and I could have died. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that they didn't in some cases, but, you know, they feel like they have to sue somebody because something didn't work right. When in reality, an airbag control module looks at several different parameters very quickly, I might add, before it allows an airbag to go off. And in a lot of cases, it looks at seat occupancy. It looks at an upfront sensor. It looks at a G sensor. Uh, it also detects whether the uh, seatbelts are connected because a lot of cars nowadays fire off a seatbelt tensioner, which instantly at the time of impact goes off and cinches you down really tight. 
So you can't fly out of the vehicle or fly forward or into something that might hurt you. Airbag systems are not something that somebody should fuck with if they don't understand any of that. And and I'm not even sure when I listen to it if I will understand what I said. But I understand how uh, how airbag systems are supposed to work. I understand what they're for. I understand how to fix them. I understand why everyone is really seriously touchy when it comes to the subject of airbags. And you should too. And if you're not a trained professional, you're not going to get it. And if you're not a trained professional and you fuck with them anyway, and then they don't work, you could end up dead or somebody that you love or trust or lent your car to could end up dead. So don't do it. Don't kill your friends. Don't don't let that happen to you, okay? All right. Well, that's a, that's a short list of things that uh, basically people who aren't us should never should never try to do. Now, I, uh, I you, you, we all know people, and I think your Uncle Jimmy's one of these people too, who think... They're a lot smarter than they really are. Uh, I wish, I I personally wish that I was a hell of a lot smarter than I am. Uh, I'm probably not going to get all that much smarter than I am right now. In fact, I might be getting dumber. Who knows? But don't encourage your friends or people that you know to work on their own car unless they have a clue. Maybe unless you're right there if you like them. If you don't like them, fuck them. Buy them a can of gas and a big lighter. Uh, buy them some defective airbags, have them put them in. I mean, if you don't like them, you know, fuck them, right? Uh, but but seriously, we need to discourage certain people from screwing with their cars. And uh, I think that we all know, I think, and I'm familiar with quite a few people who should definitely, definitely be discouraged from working on their own cars because they just don't get it. And they can cause themselves uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, heartache, a lot of damage, and maybe even... Uh, carnage you know physical carnage maybe even death i don't wish that for anybody let's not let that happen let's keep the uh pros busy and keep the amateurs uh let's let them languish in inactivity okay all right that's enough from your uncle jimmy this week uh, i just want to say keep yourself safe keep yourself alive and uh thanks for listening okay uh this is uh it's the best i can do for you today okay yeah just get out of here uncle jimmy go away okay all right i'm gonna go to bed now and before i do that i just want to go see ya